the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. We've been looking at uh, this uh, passage for quite uh, a few weeks now. We're talking about Jesus' longest day of ministry here, but beginning with uh, verse 15, we'll read this together. I invite you to stand as we prepare to receive this word. Hear the word of the Lord. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. May God have his blessing to that word. Please be seated. Well, during the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made probably one of his most disturbing statements, at least to his listeners, when he said to them, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Jesus told those who would follow him, you see, we are a second mile people. We are a second mile kingdom. And those who heard Jesus in that day were facing a reality that is much different from our own. At the time, Romans were occupying and controlling Palestine, the area where Jesus lived. The Jewish people were under the firm grip of a foreign and often harsh and oppressive power. This fomented an extreme culture of resentment and hatred of the Jews by anyone who was associated with Rome. Well, one of the humiliating rules imposed on the Jewish people was that when a Roman soldier requested assistance, a Jew was obligated to immediately drop whatever they were doing and comply. So you remember when Simon of Cyrene was singled out of the crowd and commanded to carry the cross of Jesus, he had no option. It was the law for him to obey. I've read that the Roman government stipulated that except in cases of emergency, no more than a mile could be expected for one to carry a load. I've also read that Jewish boys had often marked off the exact mile in both directions from their homes so they wouldn't have to take one step further than what was required. Well, think about that. With that in mind, visualize then the audience when they hear from Jesus and he says, I want you to go not one mile, but two. They're nodding in agreement up to that point. They're with Jesus. But he says, if someone forces you to go one mile, you go with them two miles. I picture them pausing to think, did he say just what I thought he said? I suspect there was scowling. There must have been shaking of heads. Does he really mean that? I mean, that's helping the enemy. I'm sure that more than a few responded, there's no way, I'm not going to do that. Perhaps a few things Jesus said upset his audience more. But what what Jesus does here is establish, I think, a very important principle for those who would follow him. 
A Christian should be willing to do, do more than what is reasonably expected. Followers of Jesus Christ should be more congenial, more industrious, more generous, more thoughtful than anticipated. Even toward those who might have authority over them and treat them poorly. We've been studying, of course, these last few weeks in Matthew 14 through the lens of one of the hardest, longest days of Jesus' ministry. But let me ask you, what would happen if we practiced what Jesus said in our lives and specifically in our workplaces? You know, Jesus practiced what he preached. This passage we've read this morning as an example to me of Jesus showing that he didn't, didn't just talk about going the second mile, he actually did it himself. Jesus has, of course, been seeking some refuge. He's had a long day in the fact that he has just discovered that John the Baptist has been beheaded. He goes across the lake seeking some peace and quiet. But when he gets to the other side, we're told that a large crowd met him there. They scurried around the lake and they met him there and they were waiting for him to minister to them. The natural reaction, I think, for most of us would have been, it would have been easy for Jesus to say, no, I need privacy and send them back home. But instead, what we see here is that Jesus has compassion on the group. He heals their sick. He teaches them about God, but he goes further than that. You realize that it is here that one of the most significant ministries, the, the miracle of Jesus is seen, the feeding of the 5,000. And there are a number of lessons, of course, that we can learn from that miracle. And you've heard many sermons, I suspect, about that. It proves that Jesus is of God. It encourages us to trust God for provision. It reminds us that God can multiply even the smallest gift. It teaches us to be good stewards of excess. But here's the point I want you to focus on this morning. Jesus went the second mile. He, he did a whole lot more than what was reasonably expected of him. You know he would have been justified if he had informed them, you know, this is a bad time, I'm really tired, I need some privacy, leave me alone. But instead, he embraced the day and continued to minister to them. He, that was the first mile. But when evening came, I'm sure his exhausted disciples, they said, it's time to eat. It, it, we don't have any food, let's send them away. And if he had done that, I don't think anyone would have misunderstood they would have been content with all jesus had done for all the time that he had already spent with them but jesus does more than what was expected we know the story he sat down with a, a boy's dinner he blessed it he multiplied it and he fed over five thousand people jesus goes to the second mile now, of course, if you look at Jesus' ministry, there are many other examples, too. In Matthew 8, for instance, a leper cries out for healing. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you think about a leper, he was repulsive in every sense in that community. He had been quarantined for years, and since this disease was considered contagious, no one dared touch him. He hadn't had a caring touch for years. No one had hugged him. No one shook his hand. He was considered unclean. He once healed a centurion. He could, uh, if Jesus had decided, he could have healed at a distance. 
But here, Jesus could have simply shouted at a distance, be clean, and it would have happened. But Matthew 8 tells us, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. He said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately, the man was cured of leprosy. Jesus goes the second mile. He touches the untouchable. He communicated love. And he established value. John 4 records the fact that Jesus went through Samaria. When most of the people around Jesus would have avoided that hated area altogether. That's the first mile. But we see Jesus go the second mile by talking with a Samaritan woman at the well. And then he stays in Samaria for two days. The result, many became believers. In Luke 19, we see a Jesus engage a tax collector who climbed a tree just to get a glimpse of Christ. Others despised Zacchaeus and alienated him. But Jesus went the first mile by acknowledging him and calling him by name. But then he goes the second mile and invites himself to lunch at Zacchaeus' home. And you remember the result. Salvation came to Zacchaeus' house. And he was giving half of his uh, riches to the poor. Think of how Jesus walked the second mile by continually extending grace to Judas who betrayed him or to Peter who denied him and providing additional evidence for Thomas who doubted him. His, his ministry was one incident after another of doing more than could ever be expected. The Bible says that Christ left us an example that we should follow in his steps. I want you to think this morning about a difference it would make, what a difference it would make if we as Christians practiced the second mile, if we did that as part of our lives, and especially in our jobs. There'd be such a dramatic contrast because in, in the world's view, they do just enough to get by the very minimum I remember one time I was headed out of the office here at the church for, for lunch uh, with a couple. I was heading out of the parking lot when I saw a person coming into the parking lot and waving at me. And I just kind of waved back and I make my turn trying to exit. And for a second I'm thinking, you know, he might want me to stop, but I don't. I've got important things to do. So I look back in my rear view mirror and I don't know him. Don't think I've ever seen him, but he gets out of his car and he appears to be waving some more. And I'm thinking, okay, this guy who probably is here, he wants some money or something. And so he can go into the church office and get some help. So I call our secretary and I say, Kelly, it looks like a gentleman is about to stop in. Have Pastor Rich meet him. Well, when I got back to the church, I asked what had happened. And yes, I was right. He wanted some assistance. Pastor Rich, I think, did had, had met him before. But Rich says, well, this is what I will do. I'll, I'll take you to lunch. So they go down to Chick-fil-A. And he says, well, I don't want to go to Chick-fil-A. Now, who doesn't want to go to Chick-fil-A? <laughs> okay, then Rich says, well, how about Denny's? I don't like Denny's either. Well, about that point, this pastor right here would have said, okay, we'll see you. Thanks for stopping by. And that would have been the end of it. 
But Rich goes through a couple of other restaurants, and he finally agrees to stop at McDonald's. Wow. So he goes up to the counter, and he orders not a value meal, but about $25 worth of food, including a large milkshake and several sandwiches. And i got to tell you, Rich is a better man than I am. He's the kind of guy who goes the second mile so much easier than I do. Jack Nicholson, in the old movie Five Easy Pieces, uh, they have a scene where he goes into a restaurant, and he asks... For two pieces of toast. The waiter said, toast is not on the menu. And Jack said, you have bread? Do you have a toaster? Yes, but it's not on the menu. And Zach, exasperated, he says, I see you have a chicken salad sandwich. What does that consist of? The waiter said, well, it consists of chicken salad, lettuce, mayonnaise, and you can have it on plain or toasted bread. He said, well, I'll have the chicken salad sandwich then, toasted on bread, but hold the chicken salad, hold the mayo, hold the lettuce, and bring me what's left. You know, in our world, it seems like sometimes people just refuse to go that second mile. People make all kinds of excuses for doing as little as possible. The boss is a jerk. I'm not going to do anything to make him look good. People will take advantage of me. I, I don't make enough money to begin with, and they don't expect me to do that. No one appreciates what I do anyway. And once you do it, my goodness, they'll expect it each and every time. Nobody else does it either. Other people will be upset with me if I work too hard. We've all heard that. But as Christians, we're to be different. We're not to be conformed to this world. We're to be distinctive in the way we work. 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul writes this. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands just as you are told so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. You see, when we go the second mile... I think we go a long way to winning respect of those that we work with and customers who are outside of the Christian faith. But if we are the kind of people who do as little as possible, we'll lose their respect. And, not, and we can preach all we want, we can invite them to church all we want, but do people know that I belong to Jesus and am different because of the way I work? Jesus said, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. One of the ways that you and I can let our light shine is to go the second mile. It gives God glory. Now, what does that mean in a practical sense? What would it look like to, to live in the second mile? Well, let me just give you some thoughts this morning. It means, number one, I think that you do more than expected, even though it's not included in the job description. I'll never forget. In, in college, my goodness, I was invited to preach at New, Wash, at New Hope Community Church in New Washington, Indiana. They invited me to come for the summer, 
Now, you have to know that the church was two and a half hours away from where I lived in Wilmore, Kentucky. But when they said, come preach for us, I went up and they paid me on Sundays that I preached. However, I decided that even on Sundays I wasn't preaching, I would go up and just be a part of the congregation. I just kept going. I wanted to know the people, and yes, it was a long trip, and yes, it was a long day. But you know what happened? They started paying me every Sunday, whether I preached or not. In fact, the Sundays I wasn't there because I was preaching at other churches, even though I had been preaching at other churches, they still sent me a check. I realized Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. I went the extra mile and that community turned around and went the extra mile for me. And it was, it was just a wonderful experience. And that's not just true with money. It's true with service too. When we go the second mile, God begins to bless in ways that we didn't expect. Secondly, I would say this, going the second mile means that you do work with excellence, even though you can get by with mediocrity. Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. So that means the school teacher who stays late after school to help a struggling student, or the waiter who brings that extra glass of water without being asked, the, the greeter on Sunday morning who goes out of their way to make sure a visitor feels comfortable and, and introduces them to others in the congregation. I'm, I'm going to tell you, we saw some extra mile living yesterday with the folks who came out and helped us with landscaping. A few years ago, three of my kids were all in braces, and that meant we saw the orthodontist quite a bit. Now, Dr. Hans uh, is one of my favorite people. He, he uh, has an office in Berea, but his office is like nothing I've ever seen. Uh, one of the things that you'll learn from Dr. Hans is he's a genuinely caring man, and some of you probably know him. He has pictures of patients scrolling in his office. He offers hot chocolate to everyone who comes in, which might be a, 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 a problem, but, but he does. He had his mother for years working the back uh, in the front desk, and she was one of the sweetest ladies you could ever meet, and she had to be in her 80s. The atmosphere there, for some reason you walked in and there was just laughter and a sense of camaraderie. It was almost so nice that I didn't mind I was paying as much as I was, and I felt like, you know, it was that good. But here's the thing. On several occasions... He would call our home to see how the boys were adapting to their braces. Now, you'd think as much as we were paying him, he could have afforded an assistant to call. But, but he called himself, and that impressed me. Oh, and then when it came time to charge us for our third kid, he refused payment. He said, oh, we think you've paid enough. Now, I, I wouldn't expect that for everything, but... That's what he did for us. I could talk about so many people who have blessed me in the second mile. I could talk about Dr. Chang right here in our own congregation. I'd be embarrassed, in fact, to talk about how much he has done for our family. The second mile also means that you show compassion, even if the 
other person can never help you. You know, it's true. Seldom do we ever assist somebody without expecting something in return, even if it's just a word of thanks. But there are times we need to walk the second mile without expecting anything. Maybe second mile living means we do something anonymously. Sometimes we need to walk the second mile even for people who are competing with us or who are opposed to us. That's kingdom living. And second mile living means this. I think it means you're sensitive to the leading of God even though it may be uncomfortable at times. Beth Moore tells this story. One time she was sitting at an airplane gate waiting, waiting to catch a flight. She's sitting there at the gate when she sees an emaciated elderly man sitting in a wheelchair. He had long fingernails and tangled long gray hair. She was trying to focus on reading and preparing for her next speaking engagement, but she had this distinct impression from God, and, and it sensed, she sensed that he was telling her to witness to this man, but she resisted. But that impulse would not go away, and she said, finally, Lord, I don't want to witness to him. But it was as the Lord had said to her, Beth, I don't want you to witness to him. I want you to brush his hair. And she responded, okay, Lord, I'd be glad to witness to him. <laughs> but that quiet inner voice said, no, I, I want you to brush his hair. She said, Lord, I don't have a brush. It's in my suitcase packed in the belly of the plane. Well, you could ask him if he has one. Finally, that impulse was so intense, she became so restless, she couldn't read, she couldn't think, she couldn't do anything else. So she got up, and she walked over to the man, and she asked, Sir, may I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? He said, What did you say? She said, Sir, uh, may I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? He said, little lady, if you expect me to hear you, you're going to have to talk a little louder than that. I'm hard of hearing. So at this point, she took a deep breath and she blurted out, sir, may I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? And she felt everyone in the gate watching her, staring at her, wondering what was going on. And of course, the man looked at her, a little shocked, and he said, well, if you really want to. She said, you know, I have a problem. I don't have a hairbrush. He said, I have one in my bag, he responds. And of course she said, of course you do. So she went behind the wheelchair. She got on her hands and knees. She unzipped the bag and found the brush. She couldn't believe what she was about to do. This is what she wrote. She wrote, I stood up and started brushing the old man's hair. It was perfectly clean, but it was tangled and matted. I don't do many things well, but I've had notable experience untangling knotted hair, mothering two little girls. She says a miraculous thing happened as I started brushing his hair. 
Everyone in the room disappeared. And it seemed that there was no one there except that old man and me. I brushed and brushed until every tangle was out of that hair. I know this sounds strange, but I have never felt that kind of love for another soul in my entire life. His hair was finally as soft and smooth as an infant, so I put his brush back in the bag and went out to the chair, or went around to the chair to face him. I got down on my hands and knees. I put my hands on his knees and I said, Sir, do you know Jesus? He said, Yes, I do. He said, I've known him ever since I married my bride. She wouldn't marry me until I got to know the Savior. He said, you see, the problem is I haven't seen my bride in months. I've had open heart surgery and she's been too ill to come to see me. And here I was sitting, thinking to myself, what a mess I must be for my bride. Beth Moore said, that was a God moment I'll never forget. The airline hostess saw the whole thing, and she says to Beth as she's ready to board the plane, that old man you just helped on the plane, why, why did you do that? What made you do that? And this is what Beth said. She said, do you know, Jesus, he can be the bossiest thing. Following Jesus means there's a second mile for all of us. Even though it's inconvenient, forces us out of our comfort zone. Where's your second mile? Who's your second mile? Because remember this. Remember, remember, remember this. Jesus went the second mile for you. He came to this earth, became one of us, that we might see God. But he didn't stop there. He took on the pain and suffering of Calvary on the cross. That was the second mile, because he wanted you to know God. And then he says, Follow my example. A God who loves you that much, are you willing to follow him even when he calls you to go the second mile? May we be that kind of people. Let's pray together. Father, I, I know that many of us right now are thinking about situations where perhaps we've been requested or thought about that second mile and we've dug in our heels and we've said, no, that's enough. We've gone far enough. Lord, it may be in our workplaces. It may be in our homes. It, it may be with a certain situation right here in the church. But Lord, right now you are giving us a vision of what could be if we would hear your calling and we would be faithful to follow in your steps. Thank you, Lord, for that reminder of the cross. 
Thank you, Lord, that you surrendered yourself completely to God's will. Lord, I've learned this. I've learned in this life that there is a price to pay for following you. But it's a much greater price when we choose not to follow you. Lord, I pray for that young person here this morning. Lord, they are called to make a decision to give their heart, their life to you. I pray that they would do so. I pray, Lord, that this morning they would say yes to your gift and they would choose to follow you with their whole hearts. Lord, in that workplace where sometimes it is so difficult to be a light, I pray for that, that person who dreads Monday, but as they go back to work, Lord, that you would give them insight, you would give them light and wisdom, and that they might shine with your glory that others would see you. May we be people who are known for second-mile living, and as a result, Lord, may the world around us be changed. I thank you, Lord, for showing us the way. Continue to lead us. May we be your church. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.